Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stand podcast. I am Sean, joined as always by my brother, Ian. Ian, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing today? Back-to-back weeks. We can officially say always. We can say always now. You mentioned that uh, you had a bit of a uh, bit of sadness, and it was not about the Blue Jays, which we're going to get to. About the football season, actually. I mean, we're already five weeks in. Um, which means, you know, we're, we're what, we're already a quarter of the way through more than a quarter of the way through. And it's depressing as hell at, you know, once it ends, it's gone. And then you got to wait for it all over again. So football fans out there, make sure you savor every Thursday night, every Sunday. Don't talk smack about the fact that it's commanders bears tonight. It's going to be gross. Enjoy that grossness while it's here. It is going to be gross. This is your favorite time of year. This is my favorite time of year, too. Hockey's almost back. People are reporting to NBA training camp. Football's in full swing. I've gotten more engaged in the college football season, too. Um, it's just, obviously, I, I'm a sucker for Colorado, so that, that's brought me back in. But you mentioned the word gross, and I think that's a good word to transition to the 2023 Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are have been swept in the AL wildcard series. They are out in two games to the Minnesota. Back-to-back years. Back-to-back years, yes. Last year, they were at home. This year, they were on the road in Minnesota. Um, you know, I would ask where you want to start. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be pretty heated during this. You know, you have... A manager pulling your $131 million pitcher who was absolutely rolling in the fourth in a do-or-die game. We have the Jays leaving 10,000 men stranded on base through their 18 innings of work. You have the franchise player getting picked off at second base with the best player on the team this year at the plate looking to actually score some runs. But I guess that's just the 2023 Blue Jays in a nutshell. Ian, I think we should start with the decision around uh, Jose Barrios. And I'll throw to you first. Honestly, what's going through your mind? I think where we need to start is with the quote unquote franchise players, right? This is an organization that put a pitching staff and a bullpen together. That was genuinely good enough to win the whole thing. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily debatable. I think where we want, look, there's going to be, we're going to have so much time to talk about Barrios and, you know, obviously it's the right and the wrong move. And I want to give you the platform to do that. But I think first, I don't mean to throw you off. I think we need to have the Bo and the Vladdy conversation. Sure. Um, I think not just this organization, this fan base, uh, but I think just the baseball world as a whole has treated these two guys as if they are, no doubters as if they are Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts, right? Like that these guys are, you know, the saviors, no doubt every year, um, all stars guys, you can absolutely win a championship with at the heart of your lineup. And, you know, obviously you're not going to get the defense from Vladdy. I think with Bo, it's improved. But I just don't think that they're good enough. And, you know, this this organization has spent money on pitching. Um, I commend them for that because, you know, quite frankly, Rodgers wasn't spending on anything for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just don't think those two are good enough to build your franchise around. And I, and I think if you want to have the conversation about, well, where does this team go next? Well, where you go next is you need a number one guy. You need, quite frankly, you need a best player because these two guys, these two guys just aren't capable, right? I mean, you know, we made the joke, but, you know, um, Dalton Varsho, the boob that those two bozos who were in charge of baseball operations traded for, traded their number one prospect and a heart of the lineup bat for at the beginning of the season. Varsho was predictably useless at the plate. Um, also, they could get him in, in the field. Well, you can typically go get, we, they just got Kevin Kiermaier for nothing, by the way, who does all the same things in the field. Um, does it better. Gabriel Moreno has more postseason home runs than Vlad and Bo Bichette combined. That's just not acceptable from your two best players, right? And like, look, we could talk about the manager. We could talk about we could oh, talk we, about, and we are. We're going to talk about all. Of we that. could talk about those things, but, but at think, the end of the day, it was two nothing last night, and it was what three one the night before. Yep, you're not winning that way. You're not winning scoring one run in two games. So. This is, yes, should they have pulled Barrios? Of course not. You know, was the Varsho trade inept? Yes. Should Shapiro and Atkins went and got a, a bat at the deadline that it wasn't De Jong? Of course. Yes. But at the heart of this roster are two flawed players that aren't good enough. And the roster's built as if you have Raphael Devers and Alexander Bogarts. They're built as if they are good enough. And that's the problem. Well, no, it's built as if you have Dustin Pedroia and, and, and David Ortiz. That's what the roster is built around. Pick forget, a, duo. forget about Devers and Bogart. So it's built like they're better. Um, so a, a lot to unpack there. I feel bad for Bo. He's gotten better year after year after year. He's not batting where he should. He's not a cleanup hitter. What did he have, 20 home runs this year? He's not a cleanup hitter. He's a contact hitter. That's what he does. He batted over 300 this year. That man is like pencil him into the two slot. Vlad, you know, you mentioned why, why they lost. Where does Xander Bogart's bat with the majority of his career? Particularly two. early on. He's batted two. And Bo's defense got marketably better this year. I, I was I was really happy for that. But you mentioned the 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 uh Brio's decision is not what made them lose. It's it's just it's not. 18 innings, one, one, one run, one extra base hit. You mentioned the Vladdy and the, and the Bichette era. Listen to this. The Vladdy and Bo have played in six postseason games. Okay. Now, again, in baseball, it's not like basketball where one player can marketably change the entire, uh, the win, the, the outcome of the game. It's just, it's just not possible. Right. But it's still interesting to see that in the, in the Vladdy and Bo era in the six games, for, from first game to last night, one run, two runs, zero runs, nine runs, one run, zero runs. That is the Toronto Blue Jays in the playoffs in the Vladdy and Bo era. That is disgusting. And the nine runs that they gave, that they got, that has a big old asterisk beside it because it's the biggest blown lead in playoff history. 0-6 in that time. 0-6. Vladdy has gotten worse. Every year since his should have been MVP season, he, he lost because Shohei Otani is an absolute gift to baseball, uh, it, it, generational talent, right? Um, it's, it's crazy to me that this is a team, forget about even just this year, 
This is a team that's supposed to be built, that was supposed to be built on their offense. They went and made marketable changes in the offseason to bolster pitching and defense because they were fine with their lineup. Ian, look at that lineup. You talk about this all the time. Pitching and defense is absolutely a necessity in the playoffs, and the Jays had that. But what do you always say? What is the most important thing in the playoffs? Timely hitting. You have to Timely hit the Timely fucking hitting. You have always. to hit the two outs. They had 21 base runners in two games. One goddamn run. One extra base hit. It is embarrassing. The, to close out the game last night, uh, Santiago Espinal, God bless the guy, gets on base with a, with a single. Two for two, by the way, coming in as a pinch hitter. Six pitches. That's all it took. Three straight strikes to, to Chapman. Three straight strikes to Varsho. Season fucking over. That's the 2023 Blue Jays. That's it. Poor base running. Bad hitting with runners in scoring position. That base is loaded. Like Everyone's talking about, oh, Chapman missed that double down the line by inches. It was like a foot and a half foul. Yeah, it looked great off the bat. But then what does he do with the, right after that? Grounds into a double play. Vladdy was a, a gold glove a first baseman last year. This year, I mean, uh, borderline unplayable. Now you have Brandon Belt, who went like 0 for 9 in this playoffs with 100 strikeouts waiting to take over. He's worse defensively. It, it's, it blows my mind. Th this is, you have that. What's going to hang over this game is going to be the, 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 the Brios decision. I get it. That's not what lost them this series. That's not what lost them this game. It's not. They can't hit. And it's not just yesterday. It's all year. All year, it's been like this. You know, it's funny. I wanted to read this because I, I, I actually had a note. Read dad's text. So dad sent me this note last night, um, which I thought was uh, was fitting. Uh, <laughs> he asked why Varsha was bunting with two men on and one out. I told him that he was trying to bunt for a base hit. He goes, worked out well for my favorite player, an out. Appropriate, he got last three out, last three strikes to get out for the last uh, the last batter team is poorly constructed poorly managed and the players we have are not ready for prime time he says so happy it's over sports is supposed to be fun to watch watching the jays wasn't that last part a thousand percent correct this team won 89 games this year 89 and they won it because of their pitching which is why i want to go back to uh, to brios unless you have a comment about the batting that, that you want to get to because i want to get back to that cuz you got here on the backs of your starting pitching and you just clipped the wings last night and this is not on john schneider if you think this is john, just john schneider who made this decision you're out to goddamn lunch you should have seen it's him not, at the press conference it's after. not just john schneider it's not but, just but he needs to be held accountable as well. It's not just John well, Schneider. Of course, they all but, should be held accountable. But the the reason, you know, it's funny. I'm obviously a Red Sox fan, and um, obviously they made a they made a change right with their general manager. Heim Bloom's out. They're still searching for for the next guy. And this is a team, um, you know, obviously won the title. Uh, most recently in 2019, you know, been sort of in and out with the playoffs before, been in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, and that guy's out of a job. But again, 
They've had playoff wins in that in that time. He also traded Shapiro Luka Atkins. Bucks, so. There's there's been zero zero success zero. in the playoffs, and and these guys these guys are are holding on to their jobs all because the the Rogers Center's got sparkly new upgrades. The the point I wanted to make <laughs> was that this team made a decision. The decision that they made is that there were two things they were concerned about. They were concerned about George Springer playing center field long term. Yep. They didn't know if his body would be able to hold up, and that bet was right. He played 154 games this year, playing primarily yep. in right field, and 133 last year. Cool. The cool. second thing they wanted to do is they wanted they wanted to replace their batting their batting first guy is with defense first guys. So they replaced Guriel and Teoscar with Varsho and Kiermaier. Now yep. you're never going to hear me say a bad word about Kiermaier. He, you know, he's a perfect nine you get guy. What you, he's get. you get what you 265. get. 265. He's, he's going to hit the fastball. You get what you get. 35 RBI. He's going to have eight to 10 homers. It's fine. And he's going to give you elite defense. They replaced. They did not replace the 30 home runs and the 129 RBIs. And I understand that, you know, that this is no longer the way we look at baseball analytics and everything else. Thank you, Billy Bean. But we just didn't. They did not replace that production. Not even close. And you can't win that way. Now, teams are teams are too dialed in. Um, these guys, like they, you need to hit, and they just don't hit. Now, Alejandro Kirk, twenty four. Vlad Vlad Guerrero, twenty four. Bo Bichette, twenty five. Dalton Varsho, twenty six. Davis Schneider, twenty four. You know there are guys here that. You know, they have some youth, right? This isn't this isn't all this isn't all just over, right? But the way this team is built is flawed. They wanted to not score a lot of runs and not give up a lot of runs. Not how it works in the playoffs. You have to be able to hit when it matters. And they just, you know, between Guriel and Teoscar Hernandez, they just did not replace that production. And well, it showed. And and with Teoscar, right? Terrible fielder. Like it just, he should have been moved to the, the Edwin Encarnacion designated hitter spot years ago. They couldn't because they kept having a DH Vladdy. Okay. So that's number one, but he should have never seen the field. And then secondly, he's a clutch hitter. You, we talk about the, we talked about this a lot too, Ian, when you look at lineups, right? You, I remember we've talked about this when, when the Red Sox were in, were in the playoffs, they were playing against Houston. And you go up against Houston, who is a championship-caliber team, even though they cheated. It's still a championship-caliber team. It was – you were terrified as an opposing terrified. fan of Springer. Then it's Altuve. Then it's Brakeman. Then it's Correa. Now it's Al Jordan Alvarez. It's just it, – Maldonado always gave everyone trouble. It was always something where you're like, I – Oh, they even – even I, some of those years, they had Beltron was in there. Beltron, uh, yep. Yep. You have the uh, um, oh shoot, the first baseman who got in trouble for being ter being an asshole to you, Darvish. I don't remember that one, but either way, you were terrified. I would love to hear from a Twins fan because I know as a Jays fan, I didn't, as soon as it was two nothing, I knew the game was over. I didn't think any of them were going to get a hit. You weren't. I, I know Kirk went two for four, two soft singles, and by the way, as a Twins fan, you'd rather him be on base. Trust me. I, I, no, no knock against Alejandro Kirk. Hey, 
I, I, I got a buddy. I got a barrel too, buddy. But he ain't running anywhere. Chapman, Kirk, Biggio. God, I know he was good at the end of the season, but th- God. that's the that's the You're other not thing. We're scared of anyone here. We talk about the power, right? We talk about the power, and at the end of the day, in the playoffs, like if you can hit dingers, great. But th- that's not how the games are won. The games are won by getting on base, moving guys over, and getting through the lineup and finding ways to drive those guys in. You know, the, Guriel and Teoscar last year. Teoscar had an OBP of 316, Guriel of 343. Dalton Varsha was 285. I know. Like, that's just, I'm sorry. That, that is a huge, huge no, no, downgrade. It, I, I know. Now, yes, it upgraded their defense. But they scored one run in 18 innings. And you can't win that way. I could have been. It doesn't matter. It, forget about it. he's your, your second best pitcher in, in, in Barrios. It doesn't matter. I could have been pitching a gem. And it wouldn't matter. Because you're not hitting. You're not hitting. It's out of control. Look, the Rays just went through it. The Rays all year were excellent with runners in scoring position. Not not quite Orioles or, or Atlanta level, but they were great all year. They hit a cold patch. That's not what this was. What we watched the last two days is the 2023 Toronto effing Blue Jays. That is what we just watched. It's They were hoping that they would flip a switch and something would click in. It doesn't work that way. If anything, in playoff baseball, your problems are magnified. So let's quickly get to the to the decision then. What are you feeling in the moment as you're watching it? Because I know what I was feeling. And, and oh, I, it's completely inexcusable. I, look, I think analytics are a very useful tool. thousand percent. Because I believe information is king. Yep. Having all the information, the data, all it does is make you better. So... I could understand if those two dipshits upstairs were like, hey, Schneider, let's see how Berrios is going. If it's not working, have let's hook ready. and go to Kikuchi. So let's just have him ready. And, and have so, him ready for so, Max Kepler at that So if point. the idea was, if the idea was, hey, you know, when you're the third time through, you're getting to the third time through, let's have a quick hook on Berrios. But if he's cooking, let the man cook. So you can't use analytics as black and white. And at the end of the day, people want to know where this decision came from. Who runs the Toronto Blue Jays analytics department? Do you know? It would be the general manager. Ross Atkins does. Yes. So that decision was okayed by Shapiro, but came from Atkins and his staff directly. Correct. This thing is not black and white. The manager is there. Sports are full of nuance. There are so many things that happen in the flow of the game that are that are instinct and gut. And quite frankly, former Blue Jays managers, John Gibbons, Cito Gaston, are telling these guys to fuck off. There's no way they are pulling. You think any of these, you think they're going to pull Roy Holiday when he's cooking? Not that Burrios no. No holiday. I get your point. You think they're pulling those guys? Of course not. It's it's supposed to be about feel. If you're the general manager, you're going to be making decisions for the bench manager. Why have, why have him at all? Just have a pitching coach. No. And I, and I, it's, it's funny. You mentioned third time through the order. They clearly had a plan all along. 
that he was going to get one time through the order. He was going to face the first three batters for the, for the Minnesota Twins. So he's going to get 12 batters no matter what. And they were putting Kikuchi in to, fake, to face Kepler so that it forced them to take out Kirloff, the first baseman, and force them into something that they didn't want to do. They had that plan. And apparently, based on what we saw last night, no matter what happened, they were doing that. That isn't sports. You, they Schneider, after the game, says, that's the best I've ever seen Jose pitch. And you still yanked him. You still yanked him. You, uh, you imagine this. You imagine can't this. go into it thinking like that. Okay, if it's going exactly how we expect, we got a lead. You know, we want to get those batters out. We want to set up our bullpen for later in the game when we have a lot of right-handed uh, bullpen arms. But it's 0-0, and this guy looks unhittable. It, it's sorry to cut you off there, but Ian, Bill Simmons says this all the time. What would If you're thinking about a decision that, that a manager, a coach, anyone is making, he normally says about football, about you know, going forward on fourth down. What would the opposing fan base want you to do? You know what every Minnesota Twins fan, player, coach was thrilled oh, about? Jose. That they pulled him. We, we, we act as if baseball is so different because it's really a one-on-one thing, right? It's like, it's basically tennis until that ball's put into play. Um, yeah, good point. But imagine, rewind to 2019. It's 2019. Life's grand. COVID hasn't hit yet. You know, it's it's awesome. Raptors are in the finals. Life is good. Kyle Lowry comes out, right? Game six of the finals. And stroking the hell out of the ball. Quite frankly, is the re- quite frankly, let's call the spade a spade is the reason they won that game. Yep. Let's say Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster said to Nick Nurse, the plan is at eight minutes, we need to pull Kyle Lowry for Fred Van Vliet, because we need to keep Kyle fresh. Imagine then Nick Nurse as Kyle Lowry is on, he's NBA Jam on fire. Okay, the guy, pull up threes, sidestep threes, guy's cooking. Imagine as he's about to hit his fourth three, Nick's like, "Uh uh-uh. Come over, we're going to get Freddie in. That can be the plan. You're 100% right. That can be the plan. You adapt to the game. 100%. 100% because because you're, what you're saying in upper management is I trust the guy in the trenches with the players to make decisions on the fly. If you don't trust that person to make those decisions, don't have that person in charge or don't have that person at all. It's very easy to make decisions sitting up in a press box or wherever the hell Mark Shapiro is. Does that guy ever come out of his cave? in a suit than it is to make those make that decision in a damn uniform, which I don't know why baseball managers are in a uniform, but that's a conversation for another day. It's a lot easier to make that decision from up top. It's a lot harder to do that on, do that on the ground. And that's why you have that guy there in the first place. It, let, let's, let's zoom out. Let's zoom all the way out. Everyone on the baseball management side of this needs to go. Mark Shapiro needs to go. He won't because the Rogers family loves him. Yep. Mark Shapiro needs to go. Atkins needs to go. Schneider needs to go. That needs to happen. I don't know if that means they promote Don Mattingly and make him the, the, the everyday guy. There's a reason that dude is there and he's not there just to hold Schneider's hand. Okay. But those three people need to go. 
there needs to be a strategy shift. And I said to you yesterday, you know, there gets to a point when you're an organization, particularly in baseball, where you need to go out and get a guy that's just going to get it done. And they may mortgage the future. You may hate them in five years, but it that job is getting done. Dave Dombrowski is that guy. He's doing that in Philly. Okay, he did it with Boston. You know, they won the championship a year later. They're looking at their future. They're looking at their books. Yeah, and they're like, oh my God, we're yeah. in trouble. Okay, but it, none of it matters when you got jewelry on your finger. And, and the Jays need to, this long-term sort of building isn't going to work for them as a bigger market team. They're spending the money. So, you know, they can't Kansas City Royals this, be terrible for 30 years, and then have all these prospects. They all come up at the same time. You make, you know, you you have a couple amazing seasons, and then you're trash again. They need to go out, get a big-name, serious, free-agent, hunting general manager slash president of, ba- of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, Dave Dombrowski type, to say enough of this nonsense and go get it done. This group needs to get it done. Otherwise, it's time and we got to move on. They should be gone. To your point, I am I would put, as we rank confidence level of them being back, I'm like 99% sure Shapiro will be back. And I'm, about fit- I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident Schneider and Atkins will both be gone. But, I, but I'm very confident that Shapiro won't. Um, before we yes. get to, quickly, before we get to what's next, he's doing quite frankly, he's doing too much on the business side for them to pull that trigger. There's just too much. There's too much for him right now. Like they're the, the tens of millions they're putting into the stadium remodel that he has too much. They're, they they're treating Shapiro that. as president of the Jays, not president of baseball operations. They're treating him as the business operator while Ross is supposed to be the head of, of baseball operations. You he's, mentioned he's money. He's Shanahan. Well, surprise. That's yes, he is, which Anyways, I don't want to talk about the Leafs. Don't make me more another confused. another bozo. Ian, you're gonna like this quote. This is from Shai Davidi. Quote: If the Blue Jays don't trust Barrios enough to face Max Kepler or Alex Kirilov twice in a game, then they should have committed that money to someone else. 131 million they gave him to be a front of the. And he deserved the, it. He did a front of the rotation arm, which he was. They gave him that money to pitch that game. To pitch that damn game, and what they other, didn't change. And they didn't. Why make him the set? Then why? Then why make him the number two? Why start him? It, it, if you it, don't it, trust him, why start him? It's. I listened to Blair and Barker, and, and they had a great point. They're they like, as soon as Schneider came out and said that everyone except for Kevin Gosman is available, we all should have thought that craziness was about to happen. I tweeted yesterday that John Schneider, and this is before I knew that this is probably coming from upstairs, that John Schneider was taking was going to that mound taking his job in his hands and handing it to Yusuke Kikuchi, who's been good this year. But he ain't a reliever. Yeah, you're not putting I don't him even, in the best I don't even blame him for that. No, he's, you're not he's, putting he's, him in the best. He was in a bad spot. No. So either he, way. He gave, up, he gave up the two runs and then sort of settled in after that and was fine. But uh, again, look, and maybe maybe my, way is, maybe my way of thinking is archaic. But the team I support has won four times since, since 2004. Sure. And, 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 the, and the recipe always was you have starters – that gobble up as much as they can. If they can get you seven, amazing. And then you turn it over to your bullpen and you shut the door. The This idea of, well, let's get cute because of arms and everything else. No, if if he's cooking, let the man cook. Absolutely. And, and it, like we said, we talked about this before. 
they were going into that with a plan that they were going to follow no matter what. That's not sports. You don't do Mark, it that way. Mark Shapiro has made, and, and Ross Atkins has, have made a commitment to, we love versatility. We love defense. They love all the stuff. All the stuff. Oh, if you play like, multiple positions, you are. They love that. All like board. all oh, yeah. the like the the you know the the analytics community multiple position. Oh, look how versatile we are. Oh my god, they like get off to this shit. And at the end of the day, what matters is scoring runs. And if you can't score runs, what the fuck is the point? And by the way, they you brought up a good point there. They mentioned versatility. They started the exact same lineup in back-to-back games. Send send these bozos back to Cleveland. Wait, wait, hold, Which this is, is the last. You, know, you, met, a- you mentioned that quickly. You mentioned that you, I was. I wanted to bring this up too. You talk about like big market team, which Toronto is. They own an entire country as with a fan base. We forget sometimes. And you you used to chirp the entire family group about this. We brought people in from fucking Cleveland to run this team, who have never had money to spend, and they treat and they, this team. They never like won that. anything. They, no, never they never won anything. anything. No, they never and won look, anything. look, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm done with this. In a lot of ways, the Toronto Blue Jays are the, the apple of Major League Baseball's eye. Okay? They have a very large and engaged fan base. Mm-hmm. That fan base is starting to skew young, which is super rare in this sport. Okay, if you go to a J game, it's not just a bunch of old birds with, you know, got the the program and they're ticking off, you know, how many strikeouts each guy has. Okay, like they have a very young, engaged fan base. That is the dream. Attendance has gone through the roof. This year they had the attendance. Absolutely. The thing thing that is the most frustrating about this is that the person who, who changed this organization into the powerhouse from a financial standpoint that it is now, it's not Mark Shapiro, it's not Ted Rogers, it's none of that. It's Alex Anthopoulos, a Canadian who was in charge. That man brought success to this organization that they hadn't seen in 25 years at the time, right? Made back-to-back, back-to-back playoffs. The fan base exploded, right? Back-to-back flip, you know, the Edwin bomb, right? It, it, It completely... It completely changed this fan base. It took took over the country. We had that guy in-house. Yep. And the asshole getting dinner at Mar-a-Lago decided, I'm smarter than Alex Anthopoulos. I'm going to go get Mark Shapiro. And nothing has been the same since then. Nope. And we have, at the end of the day, we can blame Shapiro, Atkins, those bozos. They, they don't deserve this job. And quite frankly, the guy who owns the team doesn't deserve it either because he's the one who made this decision. We had the guy in-house. He was Canadian. He loved this franchise. And he deserved better. And all of this is karma for that. So all of you out there who love Mark Shapiro and love Dalton Varsho and all the, and all the other fucking bozos he's brought in, Good on you. This is what you get. We will end on this. Um, to echo dad's sentiments that he sent me over text. Watching this team was painful. We won't have to watch this team again because there are going to be a lot of changes. Chapman, Belt, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermeyer, 
Ryu, Merrifield, Jordan Hicks, they're all UFAs. They got to figure out what they're going to do with their arbitration eligible eligible players. Bo and Vladdy are up in 2025. Got to figure out what the hell you do there. I am. Um, I'm Rogers. How expensive is your phone bill? If, if all of us are paying these bullshit Rogers charges, surely we can afford Otani. No, you got to make a phone call. You have to, you have to, because one thing about Toronto, one of the most multicultural places in the world, you have to, uh, let's move. Let's get to the Drew Holiday trade here, Ian. We got, we got, to, we want to get to football as well. Listen, to my voice, I'm fucking depressed talking about this. Uh, not as bad as the Leafs, because honestly, I can't watch this team anymore. It reminds me of the the bubble Leafs when they played Columbus. It was just an awful product to watch. Uh, Drew Holiday was traded at following our podcast last week. We had him going to Boston, the one team that we had hoped against hope that he wouldn't end up with. Uh, The Boston Celtics receive Drew Holiday. The Portland Trailblazers receive Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams III, a, I believe, unprotected 2024 first-round pick for Golden State, and a 2029 unprotected Celtics first-round pick, which brings the total haul for Damian Lillard to DeAndre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, who's most likely going to be traded, Rob Williams, uh, Tumani Kamara, a 2024 first from Boston, or sorry, from Golden State, 2029 first from Boston and Milwaukee and unprotected 2028 and 2030 swaps with Milwaukee. So Ian, what do you think of the drew trade and how does it change the landscape in the East? If at all. Oh, I think Boston is by far the best team. I mean, they're, you know, their top seven is as good as it gets. And I think the one thing, um, and I know other people have said this, I, I realize I'm not breaking any news here. My one concern with them would be size. They're pretty rickety between Porzingis and Horford. I was going to say, so you don't trust Porzingis and Horford's health and production? Al Horford was Al Horford was special last year. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And, like, I, you know, He's up there, man. I mean, what are we talking about? What was he, the 2006 draft? Right? Like, 07? that's a long time. But, uh, 07. It, it, and yeah, because yeah, he, he, he won the 07. national titles in 05 06 and 06. was Barney yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, that's, that's a long time ago. And by the way, can, can, we just, can we just take a minute? LeBron James was drafted in 2003. 2003, and is still one of the best 15 guys in the league. Absurd. Absurd. You know, so I, I, th- I think they're a little rickety um, there. You know, I mean, the guy played 30 minutes, 30 minutes a game last year and shot almost 45% from three. Like, come on. There's no way that guy's repeating that. But in terms of wings and guards, I, I don't know how you're going to score on them. But you had last week when we talked, you weren't sold on, I believe, Milwaukee being the number one team in the East. And even, oh, I'm still even, not sold on that. Even after the Dame trade. I think you still had Boston ahead even before that. I think now this solidifies, to me, I think, to me, I, I would I would still put the Celtics and the Bucks kind of in their own tier. But if we were doing the from the stands power rankings I, of the East, I still have Boston one. Just be, I, I like the, the continuity. I think Drew, as we talked about last week, can step into any single lineup, not disrupt anything that they have going on. And if anything, just be a little bit more additive. Whereas... 
I think that Milwaukee might have a higher ceiling than Boston, but you got to now you have to integrate two massive pieces together that need the ball, which and they should have the ball in Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I think that it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to watch. This makes the East <laughs> must see TV. Those games are going to be incredible. Drew Holiday bringing out a comment. It's just great to join a, a championship caliber team. I don't think that's a shot at the Bucks. I think that he's talking more so about the fact that he ended up in that situation versus being traded traded to a, you know, my apologies, but to a an Indiana, for example. Um, not to bash on Indiana Pacers, just saying, you know, you're not at the level of the Celtics right now. I love this deal for Boston. I love the Pacers. I don't, I don't, I mean, well, me too, but I, I don't know how it's going to work financially. But that is also for Dan, not Danny Ainge, for um, the old coach. What's his name, please? Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens to figure out. It's not up to Sean from, from the stands. But, but, but at the end of the day, who gives a shit? It's not, it's not, if you're a Boston fan, it ain't your money. No. At, at the end of the but day, you do have to follow this, the new rules of this new hard it's not it's you can win right now you can win right now right now you can win right now and he's gonna slot in perfect now and and look he's 33 years old he's done well who's to say he's not he wouldn't sign something fairly reasonable right and they work it out Uh, you know horford comes off eventually um you know porzingis that extension let's see where they end up The, the the one the one thing the one thing i I want to see out of this first. First of all, uh, I like it for both teams. You know, I if I was Portland, I, I probably would have canvassed the league. I, I, maybe, you know, canvassed the league a little more, see if I can get more. Hold but on, chances hold are they on, already hold on, did that. Hold on, hold on. Don't, don't do that. You don't like it for both teams. You were very adamant when this trade happened that you felt that Portland could have gotten more. I felt that Portland should have rumors- got, gotten more, could have gotten more. You know, you factor in the Brogdon piece, sure. Right, I felt like they could have gotten more, but, but I report, think they were trying. That's the I benefit also, of doing this a week later. Is reports have come out that yeah, go ahead. I, I think I also think that they were trying to do Drew a favor, and okay, you know Drew is extremely well liked around the league. Guy's been through a lot. Um, I think they were trying to do right by him and get him to a really good situation, and and, and they did right. If they took eighty five cents on the dollar for them, so what? Um, the piece, I, the piece from this I want to talk about is why is Masai Ujiri not calling Joe Cronin <laughs> about Malcolm Brogdon, right? Yeah, guy shoots it well from three. He's killed the Raptors in the past. He's above all of his uh, career averages against the Raptors. He's been a Raptor killer, particularly in those playoff runs. Um, you know, he is hurt a lot, but if you bring him to a, you know, a bench, you know, a bench sort of hybrid role. You know, between Schroot, between um, between Schroeder, between uh, Gary Trent, between you know Scotty Barnes playing some guard, your buddy you know, Malachi Flynn. I, I just think I, I think the team is a guard short, mm-hmm. and I think someone like Brogdon who can come in, he can start, he can come off the bench, he can guard, he can shoot, he's versatile, provided he's playing. You know, Chris Boucher, Thaddeus Young. Malachi Flynn, few second round picks. What are we doing? Let's go. Call it in. I that was going to be my next question is is what would Brogdon's value be? And look, if you're Chris Boucher, you play. You, you know, Boucher is an awesome role player. You know, is he an eighth man on a title team? Maybe. Um, he's improved every year. I respect the hell out of that guy. But he played ball at Oregon. 
you know, the Pacific Northwest isn't new to him, right? It's not like you're sending him, you know, it's not like you're sending him somewhere far, far away, right? It's, oh, it's to, somewhere it, to Indiana. We're we gonna bring them up again. Um, it, 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 I think Brogdon's a great fit. Would be a Me great too. Raptor. And if 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 you're Masai, look. I don't want to get into the media day stuff because it's just going to upset me. No, um, we're not going to do that. No. But but if the intention is to compete, which it seems like it is, Brogdon's pretty low risk and could really help. I agree. I would love – I think Brogdon fits kind of everything that – outside of being six foot nine, I think he fits the mold of what a Toronto Raptor player uh, is looking for. And you're, you're 100% right. They were down a guard last year. I still think they're down a guard after losing oh, Friday. Definitely down a guard. They, I think that it would be a great fit. Um, really quick grade on the overall hole for Portland. Because uh, I was at a B plus last week. I, I'm at an A minus now. B plus. Okay. Um, I think they did well. I mean, look, they they weren't quite frankly, this should have happened two years ago. Um, hmm. but you handed the keys to Neil O'Shea. And he's he's from the Shapiro school of bozos. So, like, <laughs> you get what you get. Like, you did pretty well considering he's 33 and on a horrible contract. Awful. Last thing in the NBA, because we were, we were going to touch on Harden. We were going to touch on the Raptors. But I, no, I do think that we, that we, you know, we only already had one depressing topic today, which is the Jays. All the best, Nick Nurse. Good luck uh, with James Harden and that mess. Uh, last thing. About and. You. Joel Embiid uh, officially commits to the USA for the Olympics Huge next year. Huge for the U.S. They have not. I don't remember the last time they produced a center worth a damn. No, Think I about don't. that. Did you see his uh, his interview today? It was great. But why he chose the U.S. He was very complimentary to his home his home country. He thanked the Fr- the French national program for including him. But he, he just kept bringing it back to family. Talking about his son was born in the United States. How it's a real honor. And he he did say that you know that he his dream is to play in the Olympics. So I think that that's why he didn't choose his home, his home country. He chose the United States. And, I, and he talked about how it would be cool to play for, in front of his son in, in, in the United States uh, colors. So I think that was pretty cool. Um, let's get to football, you. So really quick here. I have a quick trivia question for you. How many quarterbacks that are currently starting have won a Super Bowl? So current starting quarterbacks in the NFL. How many have won a Super Bowl and what are their names? Quick hint. So so, so hold on. Aaron Rodgers doesn't, doesn't count. count. Nick Foles does not count. Nick Foles is a GD legend though. Uh okay, won a Super Bowl. So Mahomes, Mahomes is one. Russ, Russ is two. I didn't think he would get Russ. <laughs> Cuz he's trash. Yes, he is. Uh, Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford. Only three current starting NFL quarterbacks. I was going to get Bowl. Stafford. I know you would have, but I know that you were, were tight on time. How crazy is that? Only three. Just to, speaks to the fact that Tom Brady chewed up so many Super Bowls in his uh, time. We're about to, and Pat's about to do the same. Uh, well, let's get to a few topics in the NFL. Last week, we talked about the top tier in the NFL being the Eagles the 49ers and the Dolphins following the, the Buffalo Bills absolute shit kicking of the Dolphins last week. Ian, do you bring the Bills up into that top tier and what do you do with Miami? Yeah, I said last week I don't believe in their defense and then they held the number 1 offense in the league to 20 points. So, yep. Uh if you're counting at home, 
we still don't know shit. So I, I think Buffalo, yeah. I mean, they, they, they got to be in the top tier. Um, Allen is now putting together those weeks that have have made us believers believe, right? Like, he's, you know, not turning the ball over. Uh, he's getting the ball to the best player, right? Like, when in doubt, get the ball to Stephon Diggs. Needs to be needs to be the, you know, the strategy. Uh, you know, keep the tight ends lightly involved. Uh, and then, we, you know, just need James Cook between, you know, basically between the 20s to try and break a few runs. So, uh, but the defense, wait till they get Von Miller back. Um, he traveled to London today, by the way. Tredavis White is a big, big it loss, is. though, yeah. right? And yeah. I feel really horrible for that guy. Um, I don't know what they're going to do there. Luckily, it's before the trade deadline, so they can go out and get somebody if they if they so choose. Um, but yeah, I mean, Buffalo, to me, if you're talking about the AFC, it's Kansas City, Buffalo, and everybody else. I'm, I also agree. I, I mentioned last week that I can't put a team that lost to Zach Wilson in the top tier of Kansas City almost rankings. lost to Zach Wilson. I know. Uh, but what I would say is, I think that you got to, you know, we talked about analytics with the Jays. You got to look at the numbers a little bit. Right now, the, the the Bills, number one ranked team in DVOA, number three offense, number two ranked defense. The defense part shocked me. I'm not necessarily going to knock the, the the Dolphins. Coming off a 70 point, just shit kicking, uh, going to Buffalo. I want to wait and see when they have Buffalo at home, what that looks like. But the one thing, their defense is just is not great. I know Jalen Phillips didn't play last week, but you know, that can't be the be all and end all. You know, he's not prime JJ Watt. So um, yeah, the 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 Bradley Chubb trade and yeah, signing. What the, what the hell's going on there? Oh boy. Cause he was awesome. I guess when you just kind of lose it, you kind of lose it. But he's not that old. No, he's not that old. He's 27. Um yeah, yeah he's not that young either. Right. Like he hasn't been bad. He's got a sack and like a forced fumble, but like, he you know, has a term- sack. <laughs> yeah. But if you're talking about like impact, impact pass rushers, no, like, which is what they, which is what they traded for. That's what you pay for. Last one before we get to some picks. What the fuck is going on in Cincinnati? And it can't, it can't just be all burrow. Can it? Oh yes, it can. That dude is not moving. Right. Um, there's very little confidence. Joe Mixon is absolutely cooked. The offensive line is struggling. But at the end of the day, like that goes to show why quarterbacks make so much more than everybody else because they're the most important. I don't know that I'm burying them yet, um, but if I was a Cincinnati fan, I'd be very, very concerned. I would too. I would too. I I didn't like the losses that they had on their defense last year or in the offseason either. Um, I thought they got marketably thinner. Do they miss Jesse Bates or what? Yeah, Von Bell too. Like your two starting safeties are just gone. You know, it's not ideal. And they got – who do they have? They they have Arizona this week, I believe, who's been feisty as hell. It's going to be interesting. All right, let's get to picks, Ian. Five games this week. Let's start with the Sunday one o'clock start. The Baltimore Ravens are visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are getting four points at home. The over-under is 37 and a half. Who you got? Oh, boy. Um, I think this really is a question about Kenny Pickett. And now I know he's hobbled. Mm-hmm. And if we just, but in general, right, even if he wasn't, I think the discussion needs to be, 
do we believe in Kenny Pickett? Um, Short answer or long answer? <laughs> well, I think the long answer that that question is is complicated. I think it's complicated. You have the worst offensive coordinator in football, um, maybe the worst coordinator period in all of football. And I, I don't know, like, if you put Dak Prescott in this offense, does it make a huge difference? I mean, maybe, right? Um, you know, so so that's part of the Kenny Pickett conversation. But there just doesn't look to be a whole lot of confidence in anything that's going on with that offense. Um, you know, I, I've long been a, a Najee Harris skeptic. But I think given what he's working with, he's performed admirably. Um, and, and I respect him for his comments this week and not throwing anyone under the bus. And I respect Najee for that greatly. Um, I think at some point, when are we getting the George Pickens breakout game? Like at what point is that guy just not like a training camp star and, and nothing more, right? Like I know a lot of this has to rest on Pickens or pick it, I should say. Pick it. Yeah. But you know, all I heard in camp was that George Pickens is going to be the number one and it's great. You know, he's one a Deontay's one B and I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from other than a, you know, a couple highlight plays, not really moving the needle all that much. Um, and now with Fryermuth out, I think it's going to get real thin, real fast with, mm-hmm. with that offense. Um, I love home dogs though. You know, I do. And you know, does a running Trubisky maybe give them a better chance. It's possible. I, I just think, this Ravens defense is fast and between Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith, Patrick queen, those guys are going to be all over the field. And I don't know how Pittsburgh moves this offense along to score enough points to keep up with a very quietly looking like his MVP self all over again, Lamar Jackson. So normally I love home dogs, but I I really like what I'm seeing in Baltimore. And I'm going, I'm going Baltimore here. I think all the logic tells you to take Baltimore. Uh, the eye test, um, the fact that it, the injury status, and listen, no, no one's as hurt as Baltimore is on defense. Their their defense is decimated right now, but they've made it work, and a lot of that falls to your point on Lamar Jackson. Um, I will say that they both cover a lot. The Steelers and the Ravens are both cover kings. But the Steelers kind of own the Ravens. And I think that you mentioned terrible coordinators on the, on the Steelers side, but you know who they still have is Mike Tomlin. And I'm going to take the Steelers plus the four at home. I hate it. Uh, every part of my body says take Baltimore. They're a better team. Take the better quarterback. If they, if they still had Cam Hayward, I'd agree with you. Yeah, but I know. You know, it doesn't get better than Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's the best edge rushing duo in the league. Um, but this is, we're not talking about the 2010 Steelers here, right? I think the no. defense is good. Um, I, I think it has the potential to be very good. But again, this goes back to our Blue Jays conversation. You got to score. Like, I know they're going to keep it close, right? And that's sort of the goal. Um, but can they score enough to even cover four? Again, my my everything in my head is saying take the Ravens, but 
my heart with Tom, my, my heart with Tomlin is going to take the plus four. Let's go to the next one. For the next game, we have the <laughs> just a terrible game. The New Orleans Saints are yeah, why visiting. Why did we pick this one? It's terrible. I, I wanted to talk about the Patriots. I wanted to give you a chance to defend your boy, Mac Jones. The New Orleans Saints are visiting New England Patriots. The Patriots are one point favorites at home. The over under is 40 and a half. Ian, these teams fucking stink. This over-under could be 20, and I'd probably take the under. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. You know, like, quite honestly, it's who's ever the underdog. <laughs> You're showing minus one Patriots. I saw today it was Patriots plus one. Um, I, I don't know if that's if that's because it moved. But, I, you know, I, I just don't – I don't see a – I, I don't see a world where a defense that is already struggling that has lost Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon, you know, is going to be able to stop even the most putrid of offenses, right? Their only elite player left on that defense is probably Kyle Duggar. Um, so, you know, to me, just take the underdog, whoever that is. Okay. So I just double checked because I'm looking at odds shark on my one screen. I just pulled up, the score gambling website. Hey, give us a sponsorship if you want. It is New England Patriots plus one. So which team are you taking then? Because I will switch it. New England Patriots getting a point at home. Are you going to take the home dog in this one? Yeah, I'll take the home dog. But I, I I can tell you, if you're betting on this game, seek professional help. 100% agree. I am also going to take the Patriots. And again, the, 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 the over-under on this could be 20, and I'd be taking the under. Next game. We have the Philadelphia Eagles visiting the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are getting four points at home. The over-under is 50 and a half. Ian, let's start here. Do we know if Cooper Cup is playing? I think he's practicing limited. It sounds like he should be good to go. Um, And the question we need to ask is not is Cooper Cup coming back. It's what does this mean for Puka Nakua, the greatest rookie receiver, to ever come out of the NFL draft. It's amazing. Um, It's amazing to think about what this line would have been at the start of the season or even in the preseason. The fact that it's plus four would have been completely inconceivable four weeks ago. Like this is this. What is this line in, in early September, 10 and a half, 13 and a half, at at least, at least seven, at least seven. Right. And like, that just goes to show, First of all, how how good Stafford has been. He's been excellent. Um, he's back to pre-injury form, to Super Bowl form. Not that I think this team can win the Super Bowl by any means. Uh, but getting Cooper Cup back is obviously a huge deal. The Rams are well coached. They execute. And again, Cooper Cup is a big deal. When that guy's healthy, he's one of the two or three best receivers on the planet. So, you know, we'll see. I know we talked a lot last week about the Eagles not necessarily looking right. They are 4-0. Um, but something seems off, you know, they'll, they'll sort of drag along and then they'll hit a big play and then they'll drag along, and hit a big play. But, you know, it seems like, it, it seems like what we're getting is we're getting, um, we'll get one game where it's all AJ Brown and he's dominating the touches and he looks unstoppable. Then we'll get another game where that's Devonta Smith. It's a lot like what we saw with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade back in 2011 with, the the heatles yeah. when they first got going yeah. it's like hey it's your ball this time and it's hey it's your ball you know the next time so we're seeing a little bit of that they're getting absolutely nothing from dallas goddard um but you know 
They're getting a ton from DeAndre Swift. So they're they're finding ways to get it done. Um, but give me the Rams with the points. I just I like that team. The home dog. Yeah, you, they've definitely been better than advertised, that's for sure. And Aaron Donald looks, you know, back engaged, you know, d- the disruptive force that, that he generally is. And, you know, I, I, I was looking because, you know, I think the Rams would look good. And in my mind, I was like, well, they probably had a cupcake schedule. Well, you know, they played the Seahawks, who are pretty good. You know, I'm not saying that they're Super Bowl contenders, but they're pretty good. And they killed them on the road. They played the 49ers at home, played them tough. You know, that game was tight the entire way, lost by seven. Lost at the Bengals in a weird game, but that was a must-win game for the Bengals. And then beat the Colts last week, where they were ahead all all game. And then Anthony Richardson and the Colts kind of, you know, clawed their way back into the game. So it's not like they've had, you know, a string of, um, you know, your Arizona Cardinals and and uh, Chicago Bears and Carolina Panthers. Although I don't think the Cardinals should be mentioned with those two teams at all. Um, but you're 100% right about the Eagles. They're 4-0, but it doesn't feel like a great 4-0, and I think that has to do with the fact that they lost pieces on defense that I think uh, were very, very hard to replicate. They were leaning heavily on Kobe Dean coming into the season. His loss has been huge. Looking at the injury report for the Rams, Ian, I got, I got Kyron Williams is questionable. I've got uh, Matthew Stafford is probable after getting injured last week. Looks like Higby's going to play, and I, I'm still showing Coop as quite uh, Coop. I'm still showing Cup as questionable, but I'm going to take the Eagles here. I already took a home dog earlier in in the picks. I'm going to take the Eagles with this one. I think this is going to be a home game for them in LA. There's all the Eagles fans in California are going to be coming out to this one, and the line is fishy though. But but I'm I'm going to stick with the Eagles. Um, let's move on to the next game, the game of the weekend for sure. The Dallas Cowboys Sunday night are visiting the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are favored by three and a half at home. The over under is 44 and a half. Who you got in this, in this matchup? I, I can't wait to watch every second of this game. Um, to me, probably the two best defenses I've seen this year are, are, are these, are these two teams. Um, you know, I, I feel like for the last, what would it be? Half a season, maybe a little more than half a season. All we've done is try and poke holes in Brock Purdy and poke holes in his game. Um, You know, is he really a franchise quarterback? Is he a system quarterback? Is it all because of Shanahan, et cetera? I don't know that we've totally acknowledged how good this kid is. And I I think it's this is going to be the game where we finally give that dude the respect he deserves. Is he an upper echelon QB like, you know, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, um, used to be the guy formerly known as Joe Burrow. Um, no, he's not. But is he a hundred million dollar man in a couple of seasons? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yep. Right. Like, you know, it, it, can he be Kirk Cousins? Right. Kirk Cousins, maybe with a little more self control, um, in terms of turning the ball over. <laughs> maybe. Right. I mean, he was twenty for twenty one last week, and nobody gave a shit. Twenty for twenty one. And and none of us said anything. Um, CMC's back to being one of the most dynamic offensive weapons in football. Uh, Debo's banged up, but that doesn't matter because they got Brandon Ayuk there. Um, I just think this is going to be Purdy's real moment where we have to finally say, this is a guy. I love Dallas's D. 
not quite the same uh, without Diggs on the outside, but I think we're anointing Brock Purdy in this one. Give me San Francisco. I'm also taking San Francisco. Uh, I if if I were to gamble this game, I'd buy the half point down. Just take the field goal um, because these defenses, to your point, I think are the two best that we've seen this year. I know the the analytics are saying that the Bills' defense is, has been in that top tier, but to me, these have been the two. I I like Brock Purdy. You know, is he to your point? Is he perfect? No, but he can manage a game. And when you have those assets like Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, all it is is get them the ball and don't turn it over. The other thing about the 49ers is they cover, okay? that They're 12-3 and three in their last 15 games against the spread. They cover the points. So I'm not necessarily worried about laying the points at home. It's going to be a crazy crowd. These two teams traditionally hate each other. It's a measuring stick game for Dallas, for sure. And, you know, I, I if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, obviously I want the win, but you got to keep this competitive because, again, traditionally Dallas – has come up short in these big games. Now, normally those big games happen in the playoffs versus the regular season. They have a bit of that Toronto Maple Leafs vibe where they're a very, very good regular season team and then, you know, wet their pants as soon as they get into the playoffs. Um, But I'm taking the points here too. And I can't wait to watch this. But yeah, if I'm gambling, I'm taking, I'm buying that half point down. But I'm taking the, the, the 49ers here. Last game. We have, oh, one last point on the 49ers. They're also very healthy right now. I know the Debo thing is, you know, he's hurt, but you mentioned as long as they have one of those two guys at full strength, they can put together a pretty pretty substantial offense. That's always been the downfall for the 49ers is health. Right now, they're very healthy on both sides of the ball. Uh, last game, we have the Monday night game. The Green Bay Packers are visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. That'll, that'll always be tough to say. The Raiders are getting a point at home. The over-under is 44 and a half. What do you got here, Ian? Josh McDaniels is a putrid head coach. <laughs> like, putrid. <laughs> and the fact that we keep talking ourselves into this, like, he's going to be... He's going to be the Patriots' offensive coordinator maybe within a year. I think the only reason he has been fired so far is because um, Davis just doesn't have the cash flow to pay another coach. So they're going to ride out this experience. But like, again, he's won barely won a third of his games. Uh, You know, I know they're at home. Is it really a home game in Vegas? I don't know. Um, What I'm basing this on is I I don't know what the status of Jimmy G is. It sounds earlier in the week. It sounded like he could play, but I think this is going to be LaFleur. McDaniels and I I think LaFleur is going to put McDaniels in a body bag quite frankly in this game and if it's you know for one point it's basically a pick them uh I'm going to go with the Packers here um one quick thing I, I really like what I've seen from Jordan Love so far um looks like Christian Watson coming back that's going to be that that's already starting to pay dividends for the offense you know Romeo Dobbs don't get me started on how much I love that guy I just kind of like what the Packers are building um you know, the, uh, Quay Walker, I think, is leading the league in tackles. All in all, lots of good things coming out of Green Bay. I'm going with the Packers as well. For all the things that you mentioned, I'm going to bring, it, you know, again, a little bit more gambling um, stats into this as well. The Packers have covered seven, seven or sorry, have covered seven of the last nine games, whereas Vegas is like one in five in their last six, you know. And you mentioned the home game. We saw opening night, or I, I was the Vegas opening game at home I believe was a Sunday or a Monday night against the Steelers. 
it was 50% Steelers fans there. This is going to be the same thing. But those Steelers fans and Packers fans, they travel really, really well. We saw this with hockey as well when they brought a team to Vegas, although that community engaged immediately with that hockey team. A lot of a lot of fans build travel around these games. They say, okay, we play there once a year. I'm going to go to Vegas for the weekend to watch my team play. We're going to see that in this one as well. We talked last week about is Jordan Love real or is he fake? Um, we both believe that for fantasy purposes and in real football that, that we've like we seen. He's yeah. real-ish. He's real-ish. Like, I, I, again, I think he's probably going to land somewhere in the top 20, right? Sure. Probably in that, probably honestly in the Jimmy G space of top-tier quarterbacks, right? Which is anywhere from 20, you know, 18 to 25, depending on what year of Jimmy G you got, right? Yeah, I think- the, other, the other piece you can't forget, it looks like Jair Alexander's coming back. That dude's going to get one against Jimmy G. It's going to happen. Or Aiden O'Connell. Either one. He's getting one. And I guess I think, I think that's a good thing that you bring up is, is clarifying what we mean by real. And I think that Jordan Love is as real as that the Green Bay Packers aren't going into, the, into an offseason looking to, to change their quarterback. Like they, they are, they're going to be happy with what they get and what they're getting out of him. You know, last week, their offensive line got decimated by the Lions. Like just what was it, 11 sacks or something like that that Jordan Love had? Obviously, with Bakhtiari out for the year, that doesn't help. Uh, Vegas ain't that team. They ain't that team. Wait. Bakhtiari's out for the year? I believe he's I out he for was... the year. I, I know that he was talking about just sitting out turf games, but I was looking at the injury report and I'm seeing Bakhtiari out for season with a knee. Are you seeing that as well? I mean, I know the guy's always hurt. And I, Matt, Matt LaFleur has made, you know, made comments this week about just how concerned he is with this because it's year three of nonstop injuries. And to be fair, he's right. Bakhtiari is always hurt. Always. Um, always, always hurt. But I don't see anything about him being out for the season. That doesn't mean that that isn't true. Um, Either way, he's not in this game. We know that. No, he's not. He's so not. for what we're picking in this game, what my point is, the Las Vegas Raiders are not, you know, the Detroit Lions for what they have with their front. I think, what was it, Tyrell Wilson, their first-round picks, it was the seventh overall, has zero quarterback pressures through four games. I, I know it was for sure through three games. I don't know what he put up last week. I know Max Crosby is, is an absolute stud, but you can game plan around one edge rusher. It's when you have multiple trying to get at the quarterback. That's when it becomes more difficult. I, I'm, ta- I'm take- I think the Packers are better, and I'm taking the Packers. Yeah, Tyree Wilson's been one of the worst rookies going, and that's Tyree, not Tyrell. Sorry, yeah, that's par for the course with the Raiders, right? This is the Cleveland Farrell effect all over again. Um, and it's not even that Tyree isn't playing well, he's a rookie, it happens, he's 23 years old, it'll come. Um, or maybe it won't, but Chandler Jones obviously was released last week, he appears to be going through um, yeah, significant, significant mental health, um sort of episode so all the best to him but yeah i mean the idea the idea when they signed chandler jones was chandler jones and crosby each side and wreaking havoc wreaking havoc on on defenses and it just hasn't come to fruition so you again this raiders team is a team that's going absolutely nowhere you know if if it were me quite honestly i would have expected that this line be be even further in the packers favor all right. Those are week five picks. Uh, this was fun, Ian. We had a pretty intense conversation around the Blue Jays. 
but I think it was necessary. Um, and uh, and this was a lot of fun, buddy. Before we sign off, any any words for the listeners? No, I, other than the fact that like it's week five. Um, cherish this for all it's worth, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna blink and it's gonna be you know week thirteen and we're gonna be counting down to the end of the season. So um, enjoy it for all it's worth. Yeah.